Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. You know, I've been called a networker, a connector, and my guest today came to me from an amazing woman I met on LinkedIn. So I got to give kudos today to Dr. Wilma Slenders. She is an absolute delight. So Wilma, this one's for you. And let me introduce you to my guest today that I met through Dr. Wilma, who was also on the show in season one. Holly Tesca is my guest, and Holly believes that the world needs the best leaders that can be built. Those who demonstrate all those heart-centered leadership qualities that we talk about, integrity, empathy, humility, vision, it's an endless list. Holly believes that this type of leader brings out the best in others and will always deliver outstanding results. She feels that we all need to perform at 100% to make this world a better place. Holly has so much experience, and instead of me telling you about it, I'm going to get into a great conversation. So Holly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Deb. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and shout out to Dr. Wilma for connecting us. Yes, Dr. Wilma is the most awesome, awesome woman. I absolutely love her, and I'm so glad she connected you and I. Well, and you also are a fellow podcaster and the co-host of Uplifting Women podcast, so it's always a delight, I know, to be on the other side of the mic. So you've got your chair pulled up, you're relaxed. Are you ready to go? I am. Take it away. Let's have a great conversation. I was so, so impressed when Dr. Wilma connected us. And I always love the intersection when one woman meets another woman and then thinks, oh my goodness, after a conversation, have you connected or do you know? To me, that is truly the epitome of collaboration over competition, which has been the International Women's Day message this whole year. So I want to ask you some leadership questions, and I want to start with, you talk that we need more good leadership in the world. So my question is, in your quest of your, quote, stepping into leadership capability, what are some of your observations and strategies to get to that level of leadership? So I think, um, especially when leaders are starting off their journey, you know, that that move from being a manager to being a leader is so critical. It's not about so much of what you do any any longer. It's how you show up in the world, how you treat others, how you demonstrate the right qualities. How do you live as a leader? So, you know, for me, it's about helping leaders understand that distinction and finding the place where they can be their authentic selves. And that's a very overused 
phrase, but there's a lot of truth to it. Where can they be their authentic selves and still help to uplift other people in the world so that they can do their best work? And just enjoying the joy in the journey. It's going to come with the good, the bad, the indifferent, and not not turning the lens back on self to to have any judgment. And you know, in in my journey to becoming a leader, you know, I will say I am very driven by nature. That's who I am. I like things done fast. I want them done perfectly because I hate rework. It's like You know, rework is like my no-no word. I don't like surprises, but, you know, each of those things can put undue pressure on those around you. And when they're feeling that pressure, you know, stress doesn't leave us in a place where our best selves show up, right? So by me putting that additional pressure on them, I'm actually working against myself. So, you know, a number of years ago, I started a practice of choosing a word for every year. And I know some other people that do this as well. And it really was driven by exactly what I just described. You know, how do I soften that need to be this heavy hitting driver who wants perfection and no surprises in her life? So the first word I chose was kindness. And I actually kept that word for two years because I got to the end of the first year and I said, hmm, I don't think I'm quite there yet. I want to demonstrate more kindness to people because I don't understand. I don't know their full story. I can't, you know, they're whatever they share with me is what I know, but I need to demonstrate kindness and compassion And understand that there's more to this than what I know. And in time, they'll tell me, but I've got to give them space. And after that word, I went to grace (laughs) because I understood that, you know, sometimes we have to show up with grace, which kindness is a piece of, but grace is a different level of that, (laughs) right? And then my word for this year happens to be gratitude. And I think... Um, especially after what we've endured as a world uh, since the pandemic. You know, I'm grateful for every day. I'm grateful for every person. I'm grateful for every interaction. Um, And just grateful to be here, quite frankly, um, when we've had so much suffering in the world. So being a leader is hard work. (laughs) It's every day. Every day a challenge, but you know, by working on some of these things, I think I've been able to temper that driver in me and allow people to step into their full leadership capability, whatever that happens to be. Oh, that's beautiful. And I I too adapted a word. I'm not sure what year, but my 2021 word is joy. Mm-hmm. Joy in all that I do, all that I am. And just embracing that each day to be. And I think it's the cousin to gratitude. So I love that. I love that. Okay, my second question is the one that will always have permanent residency on the show. You, You shared a little bit in question one of this, the answer to this question. What imperfections does Holly bring to her heart centered leadership? I think, um, impatience is the biggest one that jumps out. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. 
once the idea is planted in my head, I have impatience, you know, whether it's helping somebody to, to accomplish a goal, you know, I, I want them to get there. And I have to always remind myself, they have to unfold it on their, <laughs> on their timeline, not mine, or, you know, even something like buying a car, you know, once you get the idea that this is what we want to do, I want to get it done. So um, I'm a big list person. I love to check things off lists. So impatience is really high on my list of uh, imperfections. Well, I'm going to tell you, because you know, I've interviewed over 100 leaders on this show, and that is probably the number one answer. Find me a leader, a startup, an entrepreneur, we get things done. And I'm a fellow list maker. So I, I join you. I join you in that world. There's nothing better than taking a black Sharpie and checking something off. There's power in that. There absolutely is. And I actually have been known to add things to the list just so I can cross them off. <laughs> I love secret. that. I love that. You had mentioned a little bit about manager to leader when we were talking about leadership capability. And that's actually my third question. Speak to our listeners who are young entrepreneurs or are in a management position. They might even want to be considering management. Share a strategy from your experience of professionalism or even in your own life. What's the easiest step or the first step to consider or take when you want to approach the leap from manager to leader? I think what's really critical is to find yourself a mentor or a coach. And those two things are really quite different, right? A mentor is going to share with you um, the tricks of the trade, how things get done. Uh, mentors are you know, typically within the same organization that you are because they know a lot about navigating the politics and et cetera. A coach can help you think through who it, who it is that you ultimately want to be and how you want to show up in the world. And I think there's a lot of value. I've, I've really taken to this idea of the modern elder. I actually wrote a blog about this years ago because the the trajectory for leadership, um, that runway is so much shorter these days. When I think back to the early part of my career, you know, people would step into roles of significance around 40-ish, right? So you had a lot of you had a lot of time to learn and understand and observe other people and and decide you know, I like these pieces of this leader. I, I don't like these pieces, you know, so you've got to, you have role models to help you figure out how to be a leader. Today, people are, young people are stepping into roles of significance in their late twenties and they're brilliant in terms of what they learn in school. But I think they have sometimes not, um, not kicked around in the school of hard knocks long enough to get enough experiences to find out what happens when you do this versus what happens when you do that. And I think the pairing of, I'll call them those modern elders, um, wise people who are older and have done that, I think provides a really good opportunity for young people as well as old people older people <laughs> to to gain knowledge and information from one another in a really beautiful way 
we need everybody in the world to participate. Young, old, disabled, what, whatever your status is, we need everyone in the world to participate because there's a lot of work to do. So how do we tap into the best of one another? And I think mentors and coaches, um, I learn from my coaches all the time. You know, there are days when I, when I think, oh my gosh, should I be charging them? I think I learn as much from them. So how do we tap into that? That's my answer. Well, it's lovely because you've just segued nicely into my next question. And just so our listeners know, my guests never know the questions they're going to get. It's an anxiety promoter. You know, you and I share the executive coaching space. We're two completely different coaches. We come from two different walks of life. And I loved how you just framed that. I think if we've learned anything from the pandemic, we are now truly a borderless global community. It doesn't matter. I get asked all the time, what sector do you coach in? All of them, because we're all in the people business. And I get dumbfounded looks when I say that, but then I quantify it by saying, we have had no choice but to collaborate, lock arms, unite, do what we need to do as a global community to keep pushing through unprecedented times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Deb, I would say to you, you know, 15 years ago in the corporate world, you would call yourself an executive coach or a leadership coach exclusively. We didn't talk about being life coaches. But today, you know, that concept is so much more accepted because guess what? Your executives, your leaders, they come to work with a life, right? So we have to coach all of those elements. And you're right. The pandemic has really demonstrated that we do need to lock arms and be responsible as a global community. My last leadership question is really life-related. How do you as an executive coach, and I'm happy to share my answer with you after you answer this question, how do you share your authentic version of vulnerability from your own life when you're practicing your coaching with your executives? That's an excellent question because I think sharing your vulnerability, sharing some of your own imperfections, your own stumbles, if you will, along the way, it makes you more human to others. And I find that to be a very effective um, way of building trust with my coaches. Um, Coaches aren't, especially at the executive level, you know, we aren't there just to ask questions. We're also there to sometimes provide you know, examples of other things that we've seen or share stories or whatever. But, you know, I, I always find a way early in the relationship to let my coachee know, Hey, I've been on a coaching journey for many, many years. And that still continues to this day. We're never fully baked, right? We have to constantly be on that journey that ebbs and flows and the context around us changes. So it's so important to just be resilient and to know that whatever part of the journey you're on, it's the moment that you're working on right now. And tomorrow it might be different. And the day after it might be different. Well, and it's 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 beautiful the way you said that. I'm often asked, Deb, do you ever feel like whatever? Have you ever been through? Sure. 
And I always leave a space for some silence. And then I say, I'm happy to share if you'd like to hear. Mm-hmm. And when you can step into that ring of relatability, it's powerful. And being mindful to our schedule, you know, my clients know there's white space every day for bike riding, walking, hugging some trees. We have to practice what we preach. And I always call it life by design. Coaching executives, leaders at that level, it's hard. It's, it's, it's not for the weak. It's for the strong, but we have to have structure and integrity and I love hearing the way you framed it. And it's so important for us to walk that walk when we're talking the talk. Absolutely. For somewhere years and years ago, and I'm sure it's still um, quite applicable today. You know, they say that the chemistry between the coach and the coachee is really responsible for at least, if not more than 50% of the success of that relationship. And I see that ring true all the time. If you don't have a really solid trusting relationship with your coachee, it's a real push uphill, you know? It is. And, and, you know, I, I use a lot of humor in my coaching and I do too. (laughs) I always say to them, you know, when we're done, we're done. There's no codependency, but I'm a life sentence. This connection, this relationship will, will prevail for till death do us part. And You know, it's allowed for organic growth. It allows for demonstration of just being that heart-centered leader. And to me, it's visceral. It's important. And I fully agree with you. I think I packed up, well, I know I packed up all the tools from when I case managed people. When you're caring for someone at a really difficult time in their life, whether it's an injury or a loss or a trauma, that trust and rapport is foundational. So it was really neat when I when I made the pivot over to coaching to, to feel the familiarity. Yeah, and you know, I share the same um, feeling as you. Once I've coached someone, we're connected for life. You know, this I don't take this relationship lightly. And I will often have, you know, clients from the past call and say, hey, let's get together for a coffee or let's go get a glass of wine together just to catch up. And, you know, I love that. I just love that, you know, I just continue to expand my circle of friends and contacts. And, you know, it's a beautiful, it's a, it's beautiful work, Deb. It is. You know what? Beautifully said. No pun intended. (laughs) It's a gift. It truly it is. is a gift. And I, I join you in that. And I love sharing that space with you. And you too, Dr. Wilma, you're part of this today. Okay, I'm going to switch to my fabulous fast four. Just four. Okay. We want to know what's on that brilliant mind of yours, Holly. Are you ready? I am ready. Tell us something we don't know about you. Well, if you look at my Myers Briggs, I am what they call a flaming extrovert. I mean, I love, love, love to get all my energy from the people around me and the conversations and all that. But at four o'clock, I turn into an introvert. It's like I'm Cinderella at midnight. (laughs) I used to tell my team, never schedule anything important after four (laughs) o'clock. Oh, I love that. What's your, what's your Myers-Briggs, what's your uh, initials? I am an ENFP. Oh, I am an INFJ. Mm. Isn't that interesting? I, but I love it. Social extrovert, 
4.01 p.m. onward, give me my slippers, complete yes. introvert. Isn't it funny? People, it people observe your gregariousness in social settings and they think that that is your whole being. So I love the way you said that. You're a flaming extrovert. I join you at 4.01. I'm with you. Introverted sisters, here we go. Love it. All right, question number two. Please finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? Being true to yourself and then extending the joy that you have from being that way to others so that they too can um, step into their own story, their own leadership, whatever that happens to be. It's all about be true to yourself. Don't I love to be somebody you aren't. I love that. I, I've integrated this question for season two. I have not had a repeat answer. And I think you're the first one to give me a run-on sentence, but you're getting an A+. And you used part of my word for this year. And it was Joy. encompassed with gratitude. I felt that from you. Beautiful answer. Good. Share with us a book that you're reading right now or one that maybe you just finished. Why did you read it? What was the title and, and the author, if you have it? Sure. Um, I actually just started uh, Coaching with Compassion. Actually, the, the big title of the book is Helping People Change. The subtitle is Coaching with Compassion for Lifelong Learning. And um, I decided to pick it up because I attended a conference where Dr. Richard Boyatzis presented. Um, and compassion is the is the heart of where my coaching lies, you know. And I and I use these two words with my coaches frequently when they're struggling in relationship of some type. Approach other people with curiosity and compassion. Curiosity to know what you don't know, compassion, because you don't know what the other person is going through. So when I saw Dr. Boyatzis present, and by the way, his um, co-authors are Melvin Smith and Ellen Van Oosten, I was intrigued because now there is actually research that supports this. You know, I, I instinctually went there with my coaching, with the compassion piece. But now there's actually uh, research out there that says it supports a lifelong learning process if you do it this way. So I'm only starting it, but I'm very intrigued. Well, and you alluded to this, I think, earlier in question one. It, we're all on a journey. We have to do the work. It's life work. We don't just get to a checklist done and go, okay, well, what do I do now? It's continuing to evolve and be better humans. Exactly. And, you know, the way the world is today, you know, we have to continue, continually be reinventing ourselves. And, you know, there's constant change in what's needed in the workplace. So this this idea of being a lifelong learner and how do we support people in doing that and, and actually embracing it, right? I mean, we're not a society where people go and punch a clock for the most part anymore. I mean, jobs are moving so much more to knowledge workers, um, people that can be cust high customer service centered people, et cetera. So people have to continue to, to learn about how do I how do I evolve on a continuous basis? 
Absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. My last question is, what is one thing you would like our listeners to remember about Holly Tesca? Well, I think we've covered a lot of this, but I'm going to reiterate that leadership is hard. Life is hard. It's messy. The world needs us all to step into being the best leader that we can be in whatever capacity that is. And I truly believe we are all called to be leaders in some way, whether you are the CEO of a company or you're a single mother raising her children by herself, we are all called to be leaders. And if we can each step into the fullness of that, we can really make an impact in the world. Oh, I love that. I always say that you don't need initials after your name. You don't need a title. You don't need stature. You don't need a long list of roles and responsibilities. Beautifully framed. Step into the greatness of who you are and who you want to be each day. Exactly. Well, Holly, I am so glad that you came on the show today. I want to thank you for spending a half an hour with me. Well, thank you for inviting me. This has been a wonderful conversation. And um, I, again, have to thank Dr. Wilma because she connected us. And uh, I definitely feel you are a soul sister for life now, Deb. I I was just going to say, we're in the Dr. Wilma Club. And she stuck with both of us. There's no choice. We're going to have to tag her on this podcast. I think so. I think we should. And. I want to thank you and say, I love sharing the executive coaching space with you. And thank you for being a heart-centered leader and for sharing your heart with our listeners today. Thanks, Deb. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.